Gracious Lord, we pray that you would teach us, help us to know more of your truth, more of your rhythms of grace, help us to receive more of your love and to share more of your love. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's Fourth of July week. We're going to be doing a lot of celebrating this week as we gather in all kinds of ways to celebrate um, freedom worth fighting for, right? Well, we're going to have parades and cookouts, and people are going to dress in red, white, and blue, and fireworks, and all the different stuff, and a holiday, everything that goes on as part of that. We love celebrating freedom, and, and we love celebrating freedoms of all kinds, right? We celebrate this week, we're going to celebrate our national freedom, but we also love our civil liberties, right, you know, of different kinds. We love the thought of economic freedom of being free from poverty and hunger and unemployment, all those things. Um, if you came of age in the 60s, I know you love freedom from authority at some level. <laughs> we, we don't want to be told what to do, none of us. I mean, there, there are all kinds of these different levels of freedom that we enjoy, right? But what does freedom mean in the Christian context? What's it mean there? How do we celebrate it? How do we live it? What's it about? How do we experience it? That's what I want to try to look at, just a few thoughts on that this morning as we gather. And I really don't want to talk about how many angels are on a pinhead kind of stuff about freedom. I want to go through some stuff, but I ultimately want to talk about how do we live with more of that freedom in our lives? How do we experience more of that and live more of that? That's ultimately where I want to go today. And this passage today, um, the first reading we have from Galatians, starts with the first verse of Galatians 5. And in that passage, Paul starts out by just saying, look, hold on to the freedom that you have received in Christ. That's how he's starting it. Just hold on to that freedom. And he's going to talk about that freedom in a couple different ways. You know, Scripture talks about it in lots of ways, right? The New Testament itself has something like um, 50 different times it either says it or conjures up the image of freedom, like 50 different times. So there, there are lots going on with it. But he starts out by saying, whatever we've got from Christ is freedom from Christ. Hold on to it and don't let it go. And there are a number of ways we can look at it. I'm going to look at just a few today and then again talk about how we try to live some of this out. But the first one of these has to be like the huge one. is talking about our freedom from guilt, freedom from the brokenness of our human condition that we have, all these different things, because when we, we talk about Jesus being the great liberator, or we talk about Jesus setting people free, this is like the main notion that we think about. And it's part of our human condition that we're broken. We, we have something inside us that's telling us what's good. Like, forget the details for a minute. We have something inside of us that's telling us what's good and what's right. And we can debate what that looks like, but, but we oftentimes go against it at one point or another, and we, and we can feel bad about it, right? Um, there's that famous quote from Mark Twain that many of y'all will know that of the animals, humans are the only ones that, that feel shame and the only ones that need to. <laughs> this idea that at some point we all get it wrong at some level that way. And we, at some point we turn away from God's love or God's authority in our lives. And so the, this part about the freedom to me comes back to the, the single biggest message of Christianity about God's grace and love and mercy that sets us free from that, that, that forgives, takes it from us. We cannot truly live as free people if we're going to live in guilt. 
And God takes that from us, right? That's a really big piece. I love the way there's one famous uh, Anglican evangelist who, who I was reading the other day who said that maybe for people who haven't been initiated to a lot of religious language, that maybe just calling salvation freedom would be better. Because it's this idea that that burden's lifted and you're free as a way of doing it. And it's a big deal. It's a huge deal. And Jesus talks about, you know, if we take on his truth, the truth will set us free. That's the big piece. This readings we have today are from Galatians 5. In Galatians 4, right before this, Paul has been talking about how Jesus has freed us from the slavery of sin. That's what he's been talking about. And that it's available for all of us. And that's the freedom that we celebrate. And I think it's the deepest, most profound freedom that we can hold on to. It's a sense of freedom that, that will go deep to your core that you'll have for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter what you mess up. It doesn't matter where you go, what you do. Holding on to that grace that it's not what you earn. It's not something that I've got to figure out all these rules well enough and how to live. It's just this gift that we receive. And it's such a gift of freedom. I was thinking about this. I was, this past week, some of y'all who were with me on Sunday school last Sunday well, no, I talked about you too last week. And they've, I've had this one song just been turning with me all week long. But I was thinking about what are the limits of this, right? And um, I read this last week in that Sunday school class, and it has stuck with me all week. But you two did a song uh, back off of their Octung Baby um, album that was called To the End of the, End of the World. And um, if you go back and read it, and I've been listening to it all week, it, it's a, it is a love song by Judas to Jesus sung by Bono. And to me, the lyrics are, are just, they're haunting about God's grace in this thing. And just, I want to read them. Um, just listen to this, though. And think about this as Judas speaking. Haven't seen you in quite a while. I was down the hole just passing time. Last time we met was a low-lit room where we were as close together as bride and groom. We ate the food. We drank the wine. Everybody having a good time except you. You were talking about the end of the world. I took the money. I spiked your drink. You miss too much these days if you stop to think. You led me on with those, eye, those innocent eyes. You know I love the element of surprise. In the garden, I was playing the tart. I kissed your lips and broke your heart. You, you were acting like it was the end of the world. He goes off into a long uh, refrain calling out love. And then he, and then he continues on. In my dream, I was drowning my sorrows, but my sorrows, they learned to swim. Surrounding me, going down on me, spilling over the brim, waves of regret, waves of joy. I reached out for the one I tried to destroy. You, you said you'd wait to the end of the world. To me, that's the power. I mean, we can sit around and talk about whether God's grace would have come to Judas. He sings about it. If Judas could have received it, I think it's that kind of grace. And for us, it doesn't matter where we've been. That's the freedom of it, you know. But it doesn't leave us there. And I'll say more about that in a minute. Another level of freedom, and this is one Paul is talking about today in part, is freedom from the Mosaic law. This law of Moses that went before that had all these different requirements about how you, do, how you were doing it. And that's not meant, wasn't meant to be a permanent thing in God's um, progression of things. Somebody said that, that, was, that the law was given as the bumpers on your, um, your bowling alley. The bumper rails are up. They were meant to be for a time until we could learn more or less how to receive grace and 
swing down the middle of the, of the alley. But this idea that that was not something that we should be a slave to, that we should be hold, holding on to, and really legalism. And I think Episcopalians got this part down pat because many Episcopalians are refugees from other places. We come from other places, and sometimes if I just pull out a Bible, certain people start bawling up in the corner because they've been hit with the Bible too much growing up somewhere, and they've come to the Episcopal Church because they don't want legalism. They don't want somebody telling them, do this, 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 and all this kind of, kind of stuff this way. We don't want that kind of legalism, right? And, that's, and there's freedom from that. What's going on in the book of, of Galatians is there is one party there they get, we don't really know this. We have, to, we have to back it out of it, what we think is going on. But there's this party called the circumcisers that want all these new Christians, who are all Gentiles, they're there in Galatia, they want them to go fully under the law, get circumcised, do the whole thing, all of this stuff. They want them to go under that. And Paul is like getting a hold of this, and I can just see that guy jumping up and down. He's getting animated right now, saying, no, no, don't go back there. I mean, I was a Jew among Jews. I mean, he's going to brag about it in other places. He's like, we're not going back to that place to be under all this stuff. Hold on to it. Hang on to your freedom and where you are. Um, John Wesley talked about this. Um, he said, Christ is, this is him talking about that passage from Galatians. He said, Christ made us all believers free. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of legal bondage. This idea that we're not to be under it again. But it doesn't mean anything goes. I'll say more about that in a minute. It's not that anything goes, but it means we're not going to be legalistic like the way that we're, that we're before, right? It's not going to be that way. The other freedom that's involved is freedom from ourselves, from our self-centeredness. This idea that you may think, it, you know, maybe what's so bad about that, but if you make yourself the center of the world and every view you have is you at the center, you miss out on life. And I'll say more, more on that, but this idea that you, if you're holding on to that place and thinking you're everything, you, you're going to miss out. And more than that, you're going to be a slave, you know, because Jesus says that we become slave. If you commit sin, you become a slave to sin. And part of sin is putting yourself at the center. Some people will tell you there's only one sin. It's putting yourself on the throne of life, you instead of God. And every sin comes from that place. This idea of being held there. So that, that's, you get freed from that. And some, some people go further to say the source of all our pain is doing that. Because once you put yourself at the center of the world, you have all these desires and things that you want. That's what makes for so much pain. We're not going to cross a bunch of religions, but it's certainly what the Buddha would say for starters. But that's about half of Christianity is emptying, getting yourself off the center. And the second half is receiving grace and living from that place. And we'll say more. But the question we go from there is how do we live that freedom? These are all the different kinds of freedoms we're talking about. How do we live it? If we're meant to live it, it's God is giving us this freedom, so not just so that we can live in some way without laws, but so that we can live the way God has meant us to be. So we can figure out what the way we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to be about, what we're doing. That's where we find freedom, when you find what you're meant to be doing. And at a high level, Christianity has a quick answer for that. One word, love. I mean, if I had to say it, it, we are made for love, it's the great, God is love. We're made in his image. That's what we're about. The greatest command, love God with everything, love your neighbor as yourself, and implicit in all that is love, your, love yourself also. All of that is wrapped up in that place, and that's part of the paradox. John Stott, the great um, Anglican preacher, said, true freedom 
It's freedom to be myself as God made me and meant me to be. That's what we're talking about, getting to that place. And it's this place of love. Michelangelo said the same. He said, when I'm talking to God, he says, when I'm yours, then at last I'm truly myself. And I think that's what Jesus says when Jesus is saying, if you lose your life, you find it. When you knock yourself off the center and you put God in that place, you really find life, what we're meant to be. That there's this deep, deep place where we find that as we love God and love our neighbors, that that place opens up for us. How do we do that? How do we live that place? Ultimately, Paul's going to talk about this. I'm going to go to the rest of what Paul says in Galatians 5 today. It's ultimately about God's spirit living in us. It's ultimately about letting God work and change us from the inside out. Is how, he, is how he does it. So we, when we're not self-centered, we're not self-centered, we're letting all that go so God can be in this place. And now we find that God's spirit will lead us in the ways that are good and right and the things that will do all these wonderful things. Our passage today gave this long list, and I almost did the sermon on all these, but, you know, about all the sins of the flesh, but, you know, I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to blush too much on any of them, but, um, but if we get on that road of these sins of the flesh, you go read that list. If you get to where you're practicing these all the time, I think the ultimate issue with that is you get onto a pattern where you will go further and further away from God. It will start a trajectory that lead, leads this way where you may not even see the good anymore. It takes you down that way. And the opposite of that is being open to God's spirit and letting God change us from the inside out to where this fruit starts to grow in us. It's not stuff you know, that we do, but it's what God does in us of love and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control and all these things begin to grow in us. We're not under the law anymore, but the law has been fulfilled. This is what Paul would say. The law has been fulfilled through love. And the way you find love that's going to change all this in you is letting God's spirit work in and through you. St. Paul um, is going to say to us, Do not use your freedom for self-indulgence, but through love become servants of one another. And I've quoted him many times before. I'm going to quote him many times yet. I love this saying by St. Augustine, love God and do as you please. That's the idea that if you really get to where you love God, you're going to be open to God and his spirit. You're not going to go do all this other stuff. The spirit is going to lead you into all these ways. So you don't even have to worry about all the bits of of the law because God's law is going to be on your heart, written there by the Holy Spirit. And that's, that's a place from which we're going to live. And for us, I think it, it's a matter of surrender. It's a matter of slowing down. It's a matter of all this. I, I want to kind of wrap up by, by just turning and saying, you know, for me, I'm, there are probably lots of ways that people in here would live out your own experience of how you live with the Holy Spirit. And you try to go to the next step. And all of us are on a journey you could probably tell what, it's, what has worked for you. I'll say for me, the things that have helped me are to daily remember surrender because I want to keep going back to the center of my, the throne of my life. And C.S. Lewis used to say how every day before his feet hit the floor, the wild animals of wor- the world and the concerns are flying at you and you've got to start by just grounding and putting God in that place. So to me, the first step is surrender. The second step to me is being mindful of God's presence, trying to step back and slow down and see and be mindful. I'd say the third 
part about it for me is learning to pray and discern, asking, asking the Spirit to lead us. And the final thing, probably more, but the final thing to me is deliberately asking God's Spirit to work in me to do the things I do not want to do. There are people that I don't want to love who've hurt me. I've still got knives in my back from some. God's saying, love your enemies. I don't want to do it. The only way I'm going to do it is by asking the Holy Spirit to let that go and work through me. Let me be an instrument. Let that spirit work, whatever it is. And I think part of that, the final thing really is, is get to a place where people energize you around the spirit, a place where you feel God is, you may be resistant. We all got resistance in us where, where you feel something encouraging to take the next step, something that's going to encourage you to grow and to be healthy. I've been thinking about you two all week, so I'm going to end with a Bono quote. Um, <laughs> Bono for 20 something years. I'm sorry for you who aren't you two fans, forgive me, but um, I should back up and say U2 is a big rock group. Does everybody know that? Um, Bono's their lead singer. He, for more than 20 years, he resisted giving in, any interviews about his faith, but he did one about two years ago for the website BeliefNet. And so I just read it in the last couple of weeks and uh, really, really enjoyed it. But he talks about some, some uh, hard things about church life for a minute. And I'm going to read those and end with this. But I really want to read this to kind of stir you up to think about the role of the Spirit and how we do this, Right? This is Bono speaking. He says, I often wonder if religion is the enemy of God. It's almost like religion is what happens when the Spirit has left the building. God's Spirit moves through us and the world at a pace that can never be constricted by any one religious paradigm. I love that. You know, it says somewhere in the Scriptures that the Spirit moves like a wind. No one knows where it comes from or where it's going. The Spirit is described in the Holy Scriptures as much more of an anarchic than any established religion gives credit for it. Embrace your freedom. Hold on to your freedom. Let the Spirit move in you and grow the fruit. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that you love us. doesn't matter where we've been or what we've done. That You've known us since before we were born. You forgive us and you invite us on this journey and you give us one to come alongside us and guide us and help us in the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to do our bit just to be open and receive that your fruit may grow in us and we can be about your kingdom work. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.